the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. News of the Salem Media Group. Water in the court. Be seated. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. Today is going to be a great show. Today, I'm honored as our guest to have my dad, Dr. Terry Marquardt. Honorable Dr. Terry Marquardt served in the New Mexico House of Representatives from 1995 to 2007. While there, he served on the Health and Human Services Committee, the Appropriations Committee, and the Judiciary Committee. One-third of his time in the legislature, he served as Minority Caucus Leader and Minority Whip. Now retired, Dr. Marquardt is a public health vaccination volunteer. His passion is saving lives and keeping America safe. Let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing and failing to do your will. Please help our Honorable Dr. Terry Marquardt and me give good information about his legislative history at the New Mexico Legislature today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So today I'm not going to say the disclaimer, and I'm not going to talk about our sponsor because... Uh, My dad has such a long and interesting history with the New Mexico legislature. We're going to focus on that content, and if we have time, then we'll talk about the sponsor. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Todd. I was noticing when uh, the the introduction uh, cue was coming in, uh, order in the court, please be seated. I I think that's an excellent uh, introduction. And and also the music, there's a great sax solo in there that uh, I enjoyed listening to also. Well, we share that together. That's one of the reasons I picked it out. Um, I was testing out theme music, and I, I heard the guitar, and I thought of Granddaddy uh-huh. because uh, he he was trying to play the guitar into his 90s. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, then, of course, uh, we both played the alto saxophone, and and Thomas and Caitlin played, and, and my cousin Chrissy played it, so... I'm just used to hearing it. Yeah, and actually, all of those people, you and uh, uh, Chrissy and Caitlin and Thomas, they all use my saxophone <laughs> to yeah. learn on. That's right. <laughs> my saxophone from fifth grade <laughs> right. made it all the way through those generations. That's right. That's incredible. Yeah, the saxophone has its own legacy. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, Let's get started talking about your legislative history. How did you get into that? How did you get interested? Well, you know, I I was uh, a young family man and had a young family, and I was looking around my community, and I I noticed that my kids were going to just like the, the same saxophone. They were going to the same schools I went to that hadn't been updated or improved. They were playing baseball on the same baseball fields that I played on. 
And, you know, I, I felt that my kids and the, and the citizens of southern New Mexico deserved a better quality of education than that and that they deserved a better quality of life than that. So that's the short answer that you know, I give. That's kind of the elevator speech uh, mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, of why I entered politics. But really, it's a little more complex um, to give the, the com- complete answer. Um, I, lo- I was looking around, and I said to myself, you know, how long can America survive where 13-year-olds are having babies, 15-year-olds are shooting each other, and 18-year-olds are receiving diplomas they can't even read? So, you know, and at about that time, John Kennedy was saying, one man can make a difference, and every man should try. And so I looked around and said, hmm, why not me? Why not now? So, you know, as I was growing up in elementary school, I never really thought much about it. But as my life naturally progressed, it seems that I found myself just naturally in leadership positions. Um, I was a leader on my little league baseball team. Mm -hmm. I uh, was a leader. I was elected a leader in the 4-H club. Um, and in the even elementary school band, um, people looked to me for leadership. Um, then during seventh grade, um, there were elections, of course, for student council. Right. And um, people were announcing their candidacy and their campaigns. And I really wasn't paying much attention. You know, I was I had important things on my mind, like girls. <laughs> <laughs> and then one of the girls that I knew from elementary school, not very well, just casually, she she asked me, mm, uh, aren't you going to run for vice president of the student council? And I thought, I hadn't even thought about it. And uh, But by her question, I realized that all along I had been leading. People were recognizing me as a leader, both my peers and and the people I went to school with. And so I thought, I thought about it. And then there was a, n- a ninth grader, one of the big kids, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, she came to me and said that she'd like to be my campaign manager. And so I said, well, sure. And so that was really the uh, deciding factor that pushed me over to run for uh, election was uh, having a, a ninth grader, a big kid, come yeah. to me and say, I'd like to help you get elected. And uh, so I, I ran for that, and one of my best friends, Danny Preston, he, uh, he won that election for vice president. But I knew then that a major purpose that God had intended for me in my life was to, to be leadership. So um, You just had that in your mind as you were growing up and and starting your family and and working in business. Yeah, it was kind of in the back of my mind that you know people are looking to me uh for leadership. And one thing that I learned too was that uh, just just by things people would say to me, um uh, I also when I was uh, uh young when I was in college, I also coached a swim team and um uh later uh, one of one of those um, athletes that swam for me, uh, I, I worked with him uh, as a lifeguard, and he, um, uh, he he had improved so much. I mean, when he was a kid, you know, he was just skinny and you know not very strong, and one of the weaker members of the team. And when when he when I worked with him as a lifeguard, he had really filled out and buffed up and. And he was actually um, uh, as strong a swimmer, if not stronger, than I was. And um, and so I said, hey, man, how did you do that? And he said, you taught me never give up. Never, never, never give up. And so I, I realized that people, no, no, no matter who you are, no matter what your walk of life, there's always somebody watching. I remember you told us that as kids. Right. There's always somebody watching. And, and so it's, it's not, that's not a curb for you to curb your behavior or a reason to set a good example. It's just be aware that um, what you say and what you do 
makes a difference in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's just a kind of an interesting aspect that, that that little skinny kid, sixth grader that I was working with, um, had a major – here I am talking about it 50 years later. Uh, he had a major impact on my life. Mm-hmm. So I, I realized that maybe God was leading me in that direction of leadership. Are we yeah. going to a commercial? Yeah, we're going to have to take a break. Um, but before we get there, I just wanted to remind everybody, I'm Todd Marquardt. This is Talk Law Radio on 930 AM, The Answer. And I'm talking with my dad, Dr. Terry Marquardt, today about his legislative history. And uh, stay tuned because it gets more interesting. Uh, when we come back from the break, we'll talk about that election that that you were surprised nobody had nominated you for. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back. able to care for yourself or your home. Without powers of attorney, your loved ones will be forced to the world of court battles and guardianship lawsuits to declare you to be incapacitated. Better yet, ask about a living trust containing your instructions about where you want to live, how you want to be taken care of if you have a heart attack, stroke, or develop Alzheimer's or dementia. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved ones settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. Today I'm talking with my dad, Dr. Terry Marquardt. He served in the New Mexico House of Representatives from 1995 to 2007, and we're talking about his legislative history today. Uh, before we went to break, I was asking him how he got interested, and there's, there's one more reason that led him to, to really get running. So tell us about that that first election that you weren't involved in yet. Well, one of the uh, I come from a small town, Alamogordo, New Mexico, and one one of the uh, social events of the town was to go to the courthouse on election day and watch the election uh, returns come in. Mm-hmm. And so I was just out at the courthouse visiting with my friends and having a Alamogordo social outing. Mm-hmm. And um, I was sitting there with one of the uh, uh, more prominent ranchers in southern New Mexico. His name is Charlie Lee. Um, his his family background is uh, his grandfather came um, to New Mexico. He was a, uh, a actually a gunslinger, and he got a lot of his um, uh, land uh, with his six gun. <laughs> and but he he was a pioneer. He became a land baron, um, and uh, just b- built this huge ranching uh, complex. And Charlie, uh, uh, I knew because his house in town was next to our house on a, on our street, and um, uh, I met, uh, I became familiar with his children. They took me to the ranch to play with their with their kids, mm-hmm. and so we were friends. And so, uh, and he had a history, like I said, of of his family settling New Mexico and. Um, also um, serving in the legislature as a senator, and um, and later Charlie Lee would run, uh, and he asked me to help him with the campaign uh, for him to be elected senator. I remember senator. you showed me uh, his dad's picture there uh, in the legislature. Uh-huh, yeah, a very rich history. Um, and so we were sitting there and watching the returns come in, and and um, I noticed that on the tote board, there was a, a very liberal um, attorney. His name was Mario Torres, and uh, that he was unopposed in his race for the House of Representatives. And I said to Charlie, I said, is, Char- is uh, Mario unopposed? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, no one asked me to run against him. 
And if they had asked me, I would have run, and I would have won. And he said, okay, right now, right here, we're going to start a write-in campaign for you. And I said, no, Charlie, let, let's do this. Um, in a couple of years, when it's time to run again, if you'll help me, I'll run, and we'll do it the right way. And uh, he did help me, and I did win, and I uh, was elected to the House of Representatives. And as you said, I, I served there 12 years, uh, and most of that time in a leadership position. So that's, that's how I got into the New Mexico legislature. And, you know, my political philosophy is really pretty simple, um, and it's straightforward. Um, I believe in individual liberty, less government, lower taxes, and free markets. Pretty simple stuff, pretty common sense, and, you know, thinking, uh, being a fighter, being a proponent for the individual. Which uh, of America's heroes in history uh, influenced your political philosophy? Well, you know, John Kennedy uh, was was a pretty big factor. Um, and But I remember uh, at that time, um, I, when he was running for election, I asked my dad, are we supporting Kennedy? Because his speeches were great. Mm-hmm. And he, he had all this dynamic and all of this uh, forward progress. And, and, and my dad uh, said, well, you know, um, he, his influence, his decisions may be influenced by the Pope. Is that, is that what we want? And I thought, how could that be? <laughs> and, and so it, Kennedy was elected, and actually his, his, um, his faith um, was, was a good part of his presidency. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I was, um, mm, he was one of, the, I would say, one of the big influencers. The one him. I was thinking about was Thomas Jefferson. Thomas you, Jefferson. You got an award that was like the Thomas Jefferson Award. You're, you're exactly right. And it, uh, the award itself was, is a bust of Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. And that came from the American Legislative Exchange Council. Um, and um, he, he, he was a big influencer, too, uh, of my philosophy of mm-hmm. individual liberty, free markets, less taxes, less government. And so uh, I, I learned that from him, but a lot of what I learned about Thomas Jefferson was what you might call on-the-job training. I learned mm-hmm. that as I was uh, experiencing, experiencing elected office. Okay. So what part of New Mexico? It, it wasn't just Alamogordo. You mentioned oh, southern New Mexico. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've forgotten how many square miles my district was uh, because New Mexico is uh, such a sparsely populated state. Uh, but it's a huge land mass. I think it was like 500,000 square miles was my, mm-hmm. uh, my district. Um, but it, it included two major cities, Alamogordo and Las Cruces, but it also included a lot of mountain communities um, like Mountain Park, Cloudcroft, Timberon, Weed, May, Mayhill, and Pinon. Um, it c- included a desert barrio called Chaparral. It included a mining ghost town, which is called Or Grande. Um, so, yeah, I had a huge area to cover. Uh, uh, but um, mostly southern New Mexico. I learned a lot from traveling with you to all of those places. Yeah, uh, you you learned a lot about southern New Mexico, Mm -hmm. its history. You also got to meet and experience many, many personality types Mm -hmm. uh, from from executives and, and professionals uh, and, and including ranchers and um, and maintenance people for those roads and right. their, their water supplies. So, yeah, you had a, a very rich um, uh, experience, I would think. Yeah. 
New Mexico is known as a citizen legislature. What exactly does that mean? Well, what that means is that uh, the legislators are not paid politicians. Uh, they don't they don't run for office to get paid because it's a the, it's a citizen legislature. Mm-hmm. There's no payment for serving in the legislature. Um, you are uh, uh, allowed a uh, per diem, which allows you to pay for your your lodging and your uh, your meals and your travel, but that's pretty much that's the that's the extent of your reimbursement. And uh, so the advantage to that is that you don't have people running for office to have a job, mm-hmm. uh, and you also get the uh, experience and the knowledge of pe- people from all walks of life, like insurance people and teachers and doctors and lawyers. And so everybody brings a little bit of expertise to the legislature. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's the advantage. The disadvantage is, is that uh, the legislator has to balance um, that life, uh, that time and that service, uh, with their families and th- with their with their real job, and so because of that, um, the legislators have to depend heavily on the bureaucrats, on the people that that work as staff and consultants and analysts mm-hmm. uh, within the legislature for those legislators. I th- I liked the way that you did that balance. It, it taught me something when I had children, was that. Um, I could spend time with my kids doing whatever it was I was already doing. Mm-hmm. So the, the campaigning was was a big part of uh, my middle school and high school years, and that was what we did a, a lot of times together was either traveling or, um, you know, you, you taught me my first speech class <laughs> when I was giving speeches for you uh, when you had to be somewhere else to give a speech. I remember I did a radio show for you. You had to be somewhere else, and, and you gave me some notes and said, this is what you're going to talk about. And, um, you know, I didn't really think about it at the time, but each one of those experiences probably led in some part to what I'm doing here today on the radio. Well, you know, when when you were in fifth grade, um, uh, I I gave you the task, you and Tyrone, uh, the task of helping me go door to door, and uh, we we had a neighborhood, a lot of houses to cover, and um, uh, I told you just knock on the door, tell them that you're Todd Marquardt, and that you uh, you're asking them to vote for your dad Terry Marquardt, and if they ask you where is he, mm-hmm. you just tell them well he's on that other street. I can go get him, and if you want to talk mm-hmm. to him. And and so that's a pretty big uh, uh, assignment for a, a ten-year-old kid, uh, just to go blindly up to a door and knock on it and talk to somebody you've never seen before. And but one of the things I taught you along those lines is that twenty seconds of extreme courage makes a, a huge difference in the development of things. Yeah, yeah, doing that over and over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people were pretty nice, and, and they were um, excited to, to talk to me. It wasn't like, uh, you know, somebody selling magazines. Uh-huh, yeah. It was, I, I think it was a good, and you're exactly right. Uh, we did we did those things together. Mm-hmm. So we were compa- campaigning, yes, but we were also working as a family on, on a on a common cause. Right. And uh, that was a great uh, bonding issue, too. I did that with Reagan and Thomas one time for uh, somebody running for the the Congress in this area, and, and that was sort of fun. Yeah, of course. Trying to teach them the same thing. <laughs> right. Okay, so let's get into a little bit of your top 12 legislative initiatives. What was the, the first thing that was your focus? Well, when I was elected, uh, one of the overriding um, pushes that helped get me across the the finish line, my district was uh, 65% um, Democrat. I was a Republican. And, but 
I won that election with 63% of the vote. So I had a lot of support from not only the Republicans, but uh, I had to ha- have Democrat and independent support or else I wouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and I was fortunate enough to get that, thanks to your help in the campaign. Uh, but also um, we had a message that resonated with, with southern New Mexico, and that was that we were overtaxed. And the last uh, two years in the New Mexico legislature, they went on the, the biggest taxing and spending spree uh, in the history of the state. And so that was one of my campaign issues, and that's one of the things that I worked on when I got there. Repeal the six-cent gas tax. Exactly. Okay, we have to take another break, and when we come back, we'll talk more about uh, Dr. Terry Marquardt's top 12 legislative uh, initiatives. Uh, you're here with uh, me, Todd Marquardt, on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're here with my dad, Dr. Terry Marquardt. He served in the New Mexico House of Representatives, and I'm talking to him about his legislative history. Before the break, we talked about uh, the repeal of the six-cent gas tax. What other initiatives uh, did you focus on while you were there? Well, taxes were a big thing. Uh, The governor wanted uh, to reduce the taxes on employers. And so I sponsored legislation that uh, did exactly that. It uh, reduced the taxes on the unemployment tax that employers have to Mm -hmm. pay on their employees. And uh, that was successful. Uh, The governor supported it strongly, and it was signed into law. Um, Some other legislation that I did was... uh, yeah, uh, New Mexico is, you'd have to say, is a poor state, uh, but it is rich in natural resources, oil and gas, um, and, it, and that's what uh, provides the strength for our education system mm-hmm. and the resources for that. Um, the, and it, we're also, you know, one of the things I learned from that rancher we spoke about earlier, Charlie Lee and his, and his family, uh, ranchers would always tell me that um, uh, whiskey is for drinking, water is for fighting over. Oh, and so water is a is a is a resource uh, in the desert southwest that um, uh, I, I would always say that uh, water is in the 21st century what oil was to the 20th century. Mm-hmm. It's a precious commodity and it determines the wealth of nations and of states and uh, so i sponsored legislation for a desalination plant in southern new mexico uh, where we lived there in the tularosa basin there was um, 300 million acre feet of uh, salt water in that under that tularosa basin mm-hmm. under the ground that's 426 trillion gallons of water. That's enough water to supply the water needs of a population of 250,000 people for 1,000 years. Wow. So if we could just tap that source, uh, we would have water uh, to survive any drought. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I sponsored legislation to um, uh, desalinize that mm-hmm, water. Mm-hmm. And then the federal government came in and followed up on my legislation with a reverse osmosis plant in because of all that salt water yeah. in in southern New Mexico. And uh when when the, when my bill was winding through the legislature, um I became known as as the water guy mm-hmm. and, uh, and that's one of my le- uh, legacies for the New Mexico legislature. Uh, uh, one of the Native Americans 
um, actually gave me the name uh, meaning water maker, and that Indian name is Wanakukia. Wanakukia. And uh, what, a, what a great honor that was for him to bestow that name on me uh, because uh, those, mm, they don't do that very often. It's, right. it's, it's, it's a relatively small part of their culture is to give the white man uh, a name. Right. Uh, but uh, I was honored, and I still carry that name with me today. Yeah, I remember that uh, happening. I would visit you a lot, and I remember every every new session you would bring us up there to uh, have the the ceremony of installing everybody into the, the the newly elected members, and so that was an important time for us. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that that that, that you remember those things because mm-hmm. they're they're big and and um. Makes me proud that you remember those things. Yeah, I met every governor. You know that was <laughs> during that time. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay, so we talked about the the water, and uh, you you mentioned natural resources. There was something else you were a part of uh, with natural gas, right? Yes, as I mentioned, uh, uh, New Mexico is a pretty poor state, but it's rich in oil and gas. And uh, in southern New Mexico, there was a natural gas field that was going untapped. And uh, uh, one of my constituents brought that to me and took me down there, showed me the area and said, you know, look at here. There's there's enough natural gas here for the state to have a uh, uh, gas-fired electricity plant. And I, okay. And he said, why don't you, I think you're the guy to get this through the legislature. And I said, mm, well, I'll give it a go. Mm-hmm. And, and so we sponsored legislation for, for that. Um, that uh, the, um, th- there was a large opposition to that, and so it, it didn't pass. But it was a great experience, a great learning experience, uh, how I learned about the oil and gas industry in New Mm -hmm. Mexico. Okay, another big focus of what I think your your legislative history would be uh, was education. Tell us about your philosophy there. Well, uh, one of the bills that I sponsored was to develop a a college in in the engineering college at New Mexico State University for a um, aerospace engineering department. And it's it's interesting that the president of the university uh, really didn't want that, and the reason he didn't was because it was going to cut more into his budget. But southern New Mexico has a rich history of, uh, of scientists. The, the first German scientists after World War II, they came to Alamogordo. They did research at Holloman Air Force Base. Uh, a famous name is uh, Eric von Braun. Uh, he, Werner von Braun, uh, was the developer of the first um, V-2 rocket, and that rocket was used in World War II. So it has such a rich history of, of, of scientific and uh, engineering research that I thought our university needed to have an uh, aerospace program. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually it did happen. Uh, one of my campaign workers was um, uh, Dr. Pat Hines, who is uh, the head of the space consortium at New Mexico State University. And she's the one that um, encouraged me to get a department of mm-hmm. aerospace mm-hmm. engineering. But uh, more basic education um, is, uh, you know, there's many people in our country, they, they talk about a racial divide in our country. They think there's an income divide in our country. They think there's a wealth divide in our country. And some people say there's a privilege divide. And I w- would say, I would contend that, yes, there are divisions in our country regarding privileges and opportunities and income, but those are only symptoms. Those are only symptoms of only one divide, 
and that divide is education. There's Americans of all races who enjoy a lifestyle of high income and opportunity. There's African Americans, there's Hispanic Americans, there's Asian Americans, there's Americans of European descent who through education have become doctors, lawyers, business and military leaders. And these Americans of all races have seized the opportunity of free public education in America. And it's through that doorway of education that they've climbed the ladder of success. What did I say? It's a ladder. Mm -hmm. It's not a bed. You have to climb the ladder. And it's not an elevator. No one thing or no one person can take you there. One has to to develop a work ethic to be successful in school. And once you develop that work ethic in school, it carries on into your later vocations. So when you apply that to the workplace, the divisions of race, opportunity, and privilege, those divisions are reduced or even eliminated. Education is the great equalizer. It's the great equity program. Black or white, Hispanic or Asian, regardless of race, if one makes use of the free public education of America, quality of life improves. It's true regardless of race. And so you use that philosophy to... Uh, impact some programs in the legislature. Absolutely. Um, I would say that um, African-American neurosurgeons, they have higher incomes than landscapers. Right. Hispanic engineers have increased opportunities over domestic health. But every form of honest endeavor and every sincere work ethic, those are honorable occupations. It's just that education provides a pathway to improve the quality of life. You heard it here on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt and my dad, Dr. Terry Marquardt, a former legislator with the New Mexico House of Representatives. We're going to take another break and we'll be right back. able to care for yourself or your home. Without powers of attorney, your loved ones will be forced to the world of court battles and guardianship lawsuit to declare you to be incapacitated. Better yet, ask about a living trust containing your instructions about where you want to live, how you want to be taken care of, if you have a heart attack, stroke, or develop Alzheimer's or dementia. Call Marquardt Law Firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved ones settle your affairs without a judge in court. Call 210-530-4278. That's 210-530-4278. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt here on 930 AM The Answer. And we'll be on Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can find us on www.talklawradio.com. And you can stream live uh, from www.930amtheanswer.com. Today with me is my dad, Dr. Terry Marquardt, uh, rehashing his legislative history with the House of uh, Representatives in New Mexico. We were just talking about education, and you had more to say. Yeah, education is such a uh, – it's the doorway. It's the doorway to a quality of life. Um, And government knows that education is the key. Government provides higher salaries for teachers. It provides school breakfasts and lunch programs. It provides after-school child care, school health clinics, and cultural awareness programs. But if each individual student does not learn to read and write, government 
has failed that child. The parents have failed that child. So regardless of race, it's necessary to walk through that doorway of education to an improved quality of life. That's why I'm passionate about education for my children and my grandchildren, as well as for my country. And this is why my political career had such a strong emphasis on education. I provided funding for, um, as a matter of fact, adult basic education for those who failed to attain basic reading, writing, and arithmetic skills uh, in their youth. And for my work, I was awarded the Award of Merit by the New Mexico Adult Education Association. I also sponsored after-school tutoring programs for students to catch up to grade level. I also sponsored the School Choice Act so that parents would have the opportunity to choose a school that might be better suited to their child's way of learning. I sponsored teen pregnancy education programs uh, that educated uh, the, the youth on the challenges of pregnancy um, and also opportunities for pregnant teens. I sponsored legislation uh, providing education and training programs for those who are on public assistance. Again, it's a ladder. You can climb the ladder to mm -hmm. a better way of life. I sponsored higher education, a bachelor's degree at New Mexico State for aerospace, aerospace engineering. And I also did uh, funding for the Alamogordo Community College nursing program. Also, $2.5 million for med medical technology uh, classrooms. So those were all important, passionate, educational efforts that, that I put into it. And, um, and I know that that carried over to my children and consequently to my grandchildren. Well, we talked about education a lot in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was Jeep University. <laughs> right. I didn't have to uh, wonder what I was going to do after high school. I knew that college was uh, the next step. So tell us about uh, your leadership opportunities in the legislature. What did it mean to be minority caucus leader? Well, the minority caucus leader is uh, is the leader of the, all the Republicans in the in the legislature, and uh, uh, it it was my job to um, uh, run the meetings, make sure everybody's unified in our in our beliefs and in our efforts, and um, as minority whip. Um, I was the enforcer of that. Mm -hmm. And in the old days, um, uh, lobbyists and business groups and, and s uh, other groups uh, would give extra f uh, el election or campaign funds to the whip so that he could help reelect other uh, legislators. Mm -hmm. And so that became the, the hammer or sometimes the sledgehammer uh, on enforcing uh, people to mm, think strongly about supporting the caucus's position on things. And so if they, you know, if, if they, if they, if they supported the caucus, the caucus rewarded them at re-election time. Mm -hmm. If they fought the caucus, then sometimes they weren't rewarded at re-election time. Or somebody run against them. Right. What are some other lessons that you learned? Well, I would tell you that uh, th I, I wrote this in a letter that I wrote to Caitlin and Thomas um, just, just weeks ago. And I told them that America is always one generation away from losing our freedom. And that freedom is safeguarded by fair and honest elections. When you have non-citizens voting, individuals voting in multiple states, in other words, you vote in New Mexico and you vote in Colorado, mm -hmm. individuals voting multiple times because there's multiple ballots sent to their, their address, mm -hmm. 
Um, and the, then you have ballots collected by neighborhood organizers and unions. Uh, that all promotes illegal voting. And I've personally seen that. I've experienced it. And it's illegal voting. So I voted – I uh, sponsor voter ID legislation. And um, I believe that um, – if you support fair and honest elections, then you support voter identification. And um, the opposition's argument is that, well, not everyone has access to personal identification documents. Really? <laughs> when, you, when you register to vote, you're given a voter's card. That's, a, that's in itself right. identification. And I do, how can – tell me, how can politicians think so little of their constituents that they say voters couldn't produce an electricity bill or a utility bill to vote? Even non-citizens can get driver's licenses. In New Mexico. In, yeah. <laughs> okay, in New Mexico. But you need an identification to cash a check. To buy cigarettes, to buy alcohol, to check into a hotel, to get into a concert, to get on a plane. Only if your intent is to defraud elections would you oppose voter ID. And I, I, I said it then, and I still stand by that. Okay, what are some other lessons that you've learned well, one, of, one of the things I learned from visiting you all the time in uh, Santa Fe, and I, I worked up the, up there for the state land office briefly, was that everybody liked you. Uh, even though you were Republican in New Mexico, the Republican is the minority party. Even though you were um, in the minority party, they would still like tell me that uh, your dad is an honorable and fair legislator. Well, those um, – that's especially meaningful to me um, that they would tell my children that. Mm -hmm. um, what a compliment. Um, it reminds me of uh, something mom gave me when I was opening my office, a uh, framed cross-stitch that says – uh, people may not remember what you said, they may not remember what you did, but they'll always remember how you made them feel. And mm -hmm. and so that, that reminded me of that experience uh, in Santa Fe when we would talk to other legislators and, and lobbyists and, and uh, agency directors. They, they would say, uh, your dad's a really good legislator, we really like him. And I knew that they were the opposition party, and, and so that, that's why it made such a big impact on me. Yeah, one of the, uh, actually uh, kind of a personal story about that is, um, you know, when we're in session, uh, uh, that's the time for the public to, to meet with us. We're all concentrated at the Capitol. They make appointments. They come in. They, we, we meet with them. And... Uh, Groups, um, lobbying groups, will have dinners and receptions, and there's and then also uh, a lot of legislative business gets done um, at at local watering holes. And uh, mm -hmm. in, in Santa Fe, uh, there's one called the Bull Ring, and for good reason. <laughs> uh, it's also a steakhouse. Mm -hmm. uh, and so a lot of a lot of conversations and a lot of deal making uh, was made uh, at those watering holes and and sometimes there would be a, a a local band playing and sometimes there would be dancing and uh, so a lot of the time um, there would be staff members and people who worked in the legislature and uh, secretaries and analysts and. Uh, they would also be out in the evening uh, uh, because, uh, you know, that's where all the excitement and the energy uh, was in Santa Fe during the legislative session. And so I, 
every year I was in the legislature, someone would say to me, uh, usually someone I was dancing with, uh, they would say, I cannot, are you sure you're a Republican? And I was, yeah, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I'm, I'm the minority whip. And they would say, well, uh, I can't believe you're a Republican. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, you're way too much fun. <laughs> and so, again, that's another compliment that I received from just the everyday uh, walk of life uh, people. Okay. So in our final minute, uh, tell us about the, the public service that you're doing now that you're retired. Well, I, um, I did retire October of last year. And since then, I have been working with the uh, Colorado, Colorado Department of Public Health, giving vaccinations uh, for the COVID. And um, I think that's important. Um, I feel just as passionately about that. Um, it's important to save America. It's important to save lives and keep America safe. And thank you for uh, recognizing my volunteer efforts. Thank you for joining me on the show and uh, giving us your legislative history. You're welcome. Okay, you've heard it on Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt, uh, my dad, Dr. Terry Marquardt's legislative history from the New Mexico House of Representatives. Can I say one thing? One thing. I did it all for you and your brother and my grandchildren. And every citizen of New Mexico was the beneficiary. See you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 